it's pick your day for the Pokemon. Will you have a frown after playing this game, or will that frown turn upside down after taking the pictures of many Pokemon in various circumstances? We'll talk about how good Pokemon Snap is, and we'll look at Nintendo's latest financial report and see what we can gain from that. It's all coming up right here on the Game Guide Podcast. Welcome to the Game Guy Podcast, your guide through the world of gaming. My name is Phil, and I'm very glad to have you here. Welcome. Before I get into the news for this week and the game releases and talking about Pokemon Snap, I have a few things I want to touch on from the previous episode. One of my friends listened to my report on Valheim, and they were a little bit sad that I did not include a story, a hilarious story that happened during one of our adventures, so I thought I'd talk about that quickly right here. So there are three of us, including myself, going on this boat adventure to get some iron so we could build better armor. So we sail off into the new world. We sail off into the final area of the game, like the hardest area, the plains area, and we fight off some enemies. I die once after going on this long boat trip. So now I am spawning all the way back to our main island area. So I have to get on a boat again and travel the 10-15 minutes back to the island that we're going to be mining the iron from. One of my other friends also died, so it was easy to just get us both on the boat and sail back. So we get there, and then we head into some crypts and get some mining and ready to go do some mining. Now the thing that I like to do in Valheim is I like to turn team attack on. It had the ability to get hurt by other players. I turned that option on. And so I'm going through the game and have the ability to get hurt by my other teammates at any point. So this comes into play where mining in the in the crypt to get some iron. There's an enemy up on the ledge that I'm getting ready to fight. So I take a few swings at it. I back off because the enemy's up on the ledge. I can't really hit it with my ice hammer. And then my other friend comes in and tries to attack it. I also tend to come in at this about the same time that he's trying to attack the enemy. And so what my friend does is he get a back attack on me, killing me instantly, which means all my stuff is in this crypt. And now I have to come back to this island for a third time in order to get the iron and to get my stuff once again. And I also had to build a boat because we did not have any boats at this point. So I went silent. I did not want to talk to anyone anymore. I did not want to play Valheim anymore, but I kept going strong. I got the materials needed for a boat. I got on a boat. I sailed against the wind, so it took an even longer journey. And eventually I made it back to the iron area. And it was a tragedy. I do not regret turning on friendly fire at all. I know... I think that it's it's great to have the extra layer of danger when playing these games and just not being able to be hurt by your teammates. That's that's no fun at all. But that's just my opinion. But I wanted to make sure that I shared that story and the frustration I had where I had to sail across this large ocean three times in one night. And it was pretty close to midnight when I died the second time as well. So I was not overjoyed. But, you know, we made it through. And Valheim is done for right now. Another thing I wanted to address is that 
Last week when I talked about Metopia, I said I would attempt to make a me in that to see how it went, and I was able to make one me. I stayed up to the early hours of the morning getting this ready for you. I did make a character from Nasia. I made SQ. If you look at the main cover image of Nasia with the girl with red hair, that is her. I made her in the Metopia Me Maker. I think I spent about two hours overall on her. I probably spent more time than I should have, but I am not an artist by any means. Any means, so I did what I could. I think it turned out decently, but I don't know. If you have feedback, you can email me at gameguypodcast at gmail.com, or you can post directly on the Twitter page where I posted images for it. So check out my Twitter feed at gameguidepod to look at that. You can also look at the me by going to Metopia and using the access code 7DBRX8. I'll also try to put this in the description so you can look at it there. But there's just so much you can do with the me creator that I know I'm just scratching the surface with making one character and not even making the character that stylized. But I hope looking at that character and looking at all the other characters that people have made with the Miitopia demo gets you a sense of how intricate you can make the Miis now in this game. Just one thought from the demo I wanted to talk about real quick was I hope that they add that they make sure that they have the ability to randomly download characters from the internet. In the 3DS version, you could download random characters that people have made from the internet, and so that's how I can get Steve Urkel being the evil bad guy and a variety of other characters. But for this demo version, you didn't have that opportunity. You could get the 3DS characters that people had made for the 3DS version, but you couldn't randomly generate them as far as I could see. Like, I couldn't just get random characters being which ones. I still could select the 3DS characters that people had made, but I couldn't randomly assign the different roles unless I missed something. So I hope that they add the ability to get random characters. I feel like they would, and they just add the demo for the sake of having the demo ready, but who knows? This is Nintendo. And speaking of Nintendo, we have Nintendo's financial report to go over, which they just released last week. So Nintendo has enjoyed its most profitable year to date, even with COVID going on, and thanks to just people being cooped up in their homes and needing to do something, and especially thanks to Animal Crossing New Horizons coming out right at the beginning of the pandemic. The release of Animal Crossing New Horizons right at the beginning of the pandemic could not have been a better time for the game to release. Everyone was locked down, people were looking for things to do, and Animal Crossing was the new AAA release right at that time. He had Doom that also came out around that time, but really this was the game that people wanted to do just to experience outdoors because they couldn't do that anymore. They couldn't go outside. There were a lot of things that were just closed and you couldn't really see anyone. So Nintendo, in its financial results that ended for March 31st, 2021, they show that their operating profits rose 82% year on year to 640 billion yen, which is about five. $0.9 billion, and they also had their ordinary profit up 88% to $679 billion, which is about $6.2 billion. So this was a new record for the years. The previous record that they set was back for the 19, 2019 year. So Nintendo's still going, doing very well, even with the pandemics halting a lot of game releases. Nintendo sold almost 30 million Switch units last year, precisely precisely to 28.8 million, 
which is up 37% from the previous fiscal year, which now means that Nintendo has 84.59 million units sold of the Switch, which is really good. Nintendo is hoping to sell about another 25 million Switch units this year, which is a, about an 11% drop from the previous year, which they are predicting will happen due to Animal Crossing not releasing and just circumstances being different from the previous year with the pandemic going on. But even with that lower estimate of Switch being sold, this means that it will surpass the Wii's record of 101.63 million units being sold. Which, if you told me that there's going to be a more successful console than the Wii, I'd probably be like, oh, it's probably the Wii too was the more successful console. But it would be hard to believe back in the day that there could be a more successful console than the Wii. But here we are. It seems that the Switch is going to blast past that. So that is great. Nintendo's goal for 2021 to 2022 is to continue to convey the value of the system through new titles. So same old, same old. There was one thing that I forget if it was in this report or that someone was reporting about it on Twitter. Was that it seems that they're... So the Switch is in about the middle of the lifespan of its life cycle. So that means that Nintendo has already started doing production and doing research into what the next generation console will be for Nintendo. This year they also spent a record amount in research and development. So it seems Nintendo is hard at work to bring whatever the next new console is. The Switch released in 2017, so this console is already four years old and... Previous generations used to have consoles being around for five or six years, but now consoles are lasting a little bit longer. But I feel the Switch's successor may be a little bit closer than we think, where you you might even have the Switch and this new, more powerful console being available for purchase at the same time and them being able to coexist alongside each other. But we'll need to see. But Nintendo's getting ready to try to build on the success of the Switch, which is... Hard to imagine that you can do that, but they have to be thinking of something. They also hired about almost 400 new employees. I believe the specific number, if I did my math right, was 374 new employees at Nintendo. So Nintendo is going strong. They also released the the 10 best-selling first-party Switch titles, which you have in order from greatest to number 10. You have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at 35 million about. Then you have Animal Crossing New Horizons at 32 million. So Animal Crossing and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe are starting to get into a competition with each other for the number one spot. So that will be exciting to see if Animal Crossing New Horizons can overthrow the port of a game called Mario Kart 8 that just came from the Wii U and has been doing tremendously well. The number three, you have Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at almost 24 million, Breath of the Wild at 22 million. Pokemon Sword and Shield at 21 million, Mario Odyssey at almost 21 million, Super Mario Party close to 15 million, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee at about 13 million, Splatoon 2 at 12 million, and new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe at 10.44 million. Number 11, I should note, is that Ring Fit Adventure, the exercise game where you put your Joy-Con into a strap on your leg and into your ring con i believe it's called to that you use to run around and stretch and pull to 
saying exercise that has sold pretty well to now having a total of 10.11 million units sold which i can imagine people are locked up inside they need to wait it is to do exercise so they don't get too pudgy and so they get ring fit adventure i remember asking for ring fit adventure for christmas but i didn't get that i got other games instead but that's okay so it's possible by the next time this report comes out ring fit adventure may surpass new super mario bros u deluxe so that will be a newcomer to the throne because this list has stayed a bit the same in these past few updates I feel Breath of the Wild 2 will probably make its way up here once it gets released, and the new Pokemon titles will also squirm into the top 10 once they get released. But yeah, still plenty of titles being sold every year for the Switch, and we got new things coming up this year, so good for Nintendo. They keep going strong. One game announcement that Nintendo brought out of the blue that I want to touch on really quick was that they are announcing a game called Game Builder Garage, that's at least the name of it, in the U.S., and this game will launch June 11th. So Game Builder Garage, if you can imagine, is essentially trying to make a game where anyone can be a game programmer and can make their own games. It seems to be somewhat of an expansion on the Labo programming game. Labo was the cardboard toys that you could assemble to do various things like playing the piano and fishing with your Switch. But there was also one where you could design your own game and do this programming and this game builder garage seems to expand that a lot more allowing you to do a whole bunch of other things in the trailer they have various different types of things you have 2d shooters you have platformers you have adventure games so it seems like you can build whatever game you want and all the tools are looking really fun so all the programming and triggers and all that are all in different shapes and different fun looking tools so you link everything together kind of in a node-based programming set, like what you might have with Unreal's engine's blueprint system. Like you have this thing that connects to this thing that connects to this thing to trigger variety of events. So I think if people are looking to get into game design, this will be a, a new start with them. PlayStation had their dreams game where you could design a lot of different types of games. So we'll see how Game Builder Garage can build off the con the concept of building your own games or how well it can do. I probably won't get it myself, but this seems like something that you want to do, and I'm sure people will be able to create an amazing amount of things. I want to see what they can do. Like, how complex can we make it? Can we make an actual super complex game? Can we recreate Breath of the Wild in this, in the Labo game that they had? Someone did make a ancient shrine in Breath of the Wild and put it into the Labo game, so I'm sure a game builder garage can do even better than what Labo was able to do. So this should be a great thing, and I look forward to all the different games that get made. It's probably not enough time for me that I would want to invest too much time into this, considering I just spent two hours working on a on a me. But this could be something that works out really well for Nintendo for more publicity. I feel Nintendo, the more that they can share creations, like sharing how great Metopia is for designing Mii's and how Game Builder Garage can let you design a bunch of games that makes a lot of free publicity in Nintendo, which I'm sure they're looking for as they continue to try to sell more units and surpass the Wii. Then one other thing I wanted to mention that I didn't cover last time, but I think it's worth covering at this point in case you've seen news of it, 
is that there were previous reports that Activision-owned studio Toys for Bob was being diminished as a game company with layoffs and then being shifted, the the rest of the company being shifted over for supporting development of Call of Duty Warzone. And so a lot of people took this as, oh no, they're finally killing off Crash Bandicoot. Toys for Bob is never going to be able to make a Crash Bandicoot game and then Crash is dead forever. There was an update that Activision has denied that there's been any downsizing at Toys for Bob. We have a quote here. This is all I'm getting from GameIndustry.biz. So I will have the link to the article in the description, but they have in their report. Reports of layoffs at Toys for Bob are incorrect. There has not been a reduction in personnel recently at the studio. The development team is operating fully and has a number of full-time job openings at this time. The studio is excited to continue supporting Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, and more recently provide additional development support to Call of Duty Warzone. So, to, as they say in the title, it's about time. We'll need time to see exactly what's true and what's false, because Activision doesn't want to spread any false rumors, but you also wonder how false these rumors are. Like, you have people talking, sharing news, like they had a character designer in the original story saying that there were some layoffs going on. So it makes you wonder exactly how much truth there is to the story. But for right now, we can assume Crash Bandicoot will continue to live on in our hearts and hopefully also create more games after they finish work on Call of Duty Warzone. But I wanted to update people on that in case they hadn't gotten the update yet on the Toys for Bob report. And so now we have a variety of game releases that I want to try to get through as quickly as possible while touching on each of them. One game that I probably won't look at too much, but that caught my eye because I saw that on Steam it has a 90% rating approval. So it seems like people are liking this game, and that is Death Crown, which is releasing on a variety of consoles on May 13th. But it will be available by then on Xbox One, PC, PlayStation 4, and Switch. So Death Crown is this minimalist real-time strategy game that's in one-bit style. Yes, that's correct. You have black and you have white, but you have this not even 8-bit. You just have one bit. Things, Everything's in black and white. And in this game, you play as Death herself, commanding various legions and punishing humanity's kingdoms for its overconfidence. So this is supposed to be a fast-paced strategy game where games will be settled in a matter of minutes. So you're always trying to create more troops, gain resources, and strengthen your defenses against enemy hordes. And the goal of each game is to destroy an enemy fortress while defending your troops from enemy troops and try to conquer more ground on the map. So you have to continue acting. This is all real time. Everything's going really fast. They say that the course of each match can completely change in a matter of seconds. Even losing concentration at one moment can result in a painful defeat. When you look at the trailer, it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on, especially since everything's in black and white, but it seems like you have all these different map styles that you can use and to move your troops around in order to try to beat up the enemy before they beat you up. Death Crown will offer three different campaigns in which you can lead the dead, or humans, or demons, and it has over... 90 maps to play on and so and you also have 12 bosses that you face with unique mechanics 
So if you're into strategy and want to try something out, something different, this might be something for you. I believe on Steam it was only $10. So this is something that could be cheap enough that you could try out and see how it goes. Watch the trailer first beforehand, you can get more of an idea of what things are. And it looks kind of creepy in a sense. That's what happens when everything is in black and white. But that was Death Ground. Wanted to bring that to your attention. I talked about this game last episode, I believe. But now we have Subnautica releasing on more systems. Specifically the Switch in this case. And then you have Subnautica Below Zero releasing on a variety of platforms. And then you also have a Subnautica Plus Subnautica Below Zero bundle releasing on the Nintendo Switch. And so you have... As I mentioned last week, you are diving in this unknown world, checking out these various places, and trying to figure out the mysteries of what happened to the space crews. Or not the space crews, the, the crews that went into this alien ocean world, and figuring out what happened. You're in this Arctic region of planet 4546b, and so you improvise to survive, by constructing habitats, finding resources, hunting for food, and crafting equipment. So there's a variety of ways to play this game. You can get it on play these games. You can get it on iPhone and iPads, PCs, PlayStation 4s, Xbox Ones, and the Switch is getting these new releases. If it's not released already on the platform, these games are being released on May 14th. And so this will be your chance to check things out with the Subnautica universe. You also have two games that I am excited to try out at the end of this upcoming week are the Famicom Detective Club series. These two games have only been available in Japan, but now they've finally been remade for the Switch, and they are getting localized to the English-speaking audience. You have two games that you get in the Famicom Detective Club. You have Famicom Detective Club The Missing Air, which is the first game, where you try to solve this murder mystery surrounding a wealthy Japanese family. And then you also have Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, where you search out this high school and try to figure out the, the mystery behind this ghost girl appearing and causing havoc. So these, this Famicom Detective Club is two games, but if you purchase both on the eShop, you can get a $10 off. So when you buy one, if you buy the other one on the eShop, then you get $10 off that game. These are visual novels, so I'm sure you'll know if you like mysteries and like puzzle solving, this will be great for you. But you also have all the graphics, music, and sound effects being recreated and remastered and remade. But you could also choose to have the 8-bit soundtrack play in the background if you want to. So a great piece of Nintendo history, so I hope you'll be able to check this out. But I'll be talking about this game probably in a couple weeks depends on how long it takes me to get through them i don't know how long they are but this will be exciting i just want more visual novels to play in terms of murder mysteries I mentioned before phoenix wright and danganronpa are my jam and so this will be another great one and nasia too all these murder mysteries it's great i love it and finally you have one that i know some people are looking forward to is the mass effect legendary edition coming out for the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One, I believe, all on May 14th. So you have this beloved game series now being packed into three games, Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3. The Mass Effect Legendary Edition 
is this great value to have these three games and ones of this single-player action role-playing game. They've remastered a few things. They changed a few camera angles. I know there were specifically talks about sometimes you'd be looking at your main character's butt, depending on the camera angle, but they removed some of those things to just make things much better. And so they've added more resolution, faster frame rates, and beautiful visual enhancements. And so everything is looking great. You can even get this game in 4K. This game will also come out later for the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. But for right now, if you have PC, PlayStation 4, or Xbox One, you'll be able to play Mass Effect The Legendary Edition this week. I'll probably also get to this game as well, but that's what I say about a lot of games. So I hope to play this game sometime in the future. Alright, so now I want to talk about Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap is a beloved game back from the late 90s that people have been clamoring for a sequel for such a long time. Some people thought that we would get one on the Wii U where it would be perfect to have the Wii U gamepad, the screen right in the middle, and you can move the controller around as if you were in the area trying to take pictures of Pokemon around you. But that never happened, but it did happen for the Switch. And so I want to talk about all the things I got to experience with this game. Some spoilers may exist for this game. Please be warned, nothing entirely too major, because it's really, there's not too much to spoil with a, a Pokemon Snap game, but you've been warned. So, to go more in depth, New Pokemon Snap is a new game, surprise, surprise. It was inspired by the Nintendo 64 game that came out in 1999 called Pokemon Snap, now ready for the Nintendo Switch. This game is all about taking pictures of Pokemon through a variety of islands with different biomes. You'll go from forested areas to jungle areas to areas with a beak and all different types of areas in between. It'll be riding through your vehicle, the Neo 1. Your goal is to try to get the Pokemon in the center of your photos for the best score, which Professor Mirror rates at the end of every course. A little sad that it doesn't seem that Professor Mirror is named after a tree versus all the other professors who have been named after trees. Like you have Professor Oak, an oak tree, Professor Elm, an elm tree, Professor Birch, a birch tree. All these different professors named after trees, but it doesn't seem like Mirror is named after a tree. Unless you know, if you know of the tree that's called the Mirror Tree, be sure to send it my way at gameguidepodcast at gmail.com. But in any case, you want to take the best pictures of a Pokemon that you can. Each photo f will fall into a category of 1 to 4 stars, depending on how unique the behavior is of the Pokemon. If the Pokemon is just standing there or sitting there, it's probably going to be 1 star. But if it's doing something way bizarre or unique, it's going to be 4 stars and everything in between. And you get a different rating for each star rating. And your goal is to at least get one picture of each of the different star ratings to complete your photo decks. You get these different behaviors from a variety of things, such as throwing fluff fruit, which I will call apples probably. It's sometimes easier to say than fluff fruit. You also have Lumina orbs that you can toss to make Pokemon and other things glow. You can play music. You can scan the area. Or you can use a combination of these things to get Pokemon to react in unique ways. The goal of the game, besides for just taking pictures of Pokemon, is to get the Lumina orbs and to... Find the Lumina Pokemon, which acts as the boss for each reason, for each island, and to take pictures of it and to 
make sure that you can take pictures of it using the Lumina orbs. For each stage, after you get a high enough research level by taking pictures and going on various different routes, you level up, which lets you try out different things. It might unlock new routes you couldn't access before. You might find new Pokemon that you couldn't find on previous adventures, and also various events that will happen. Most islands seems to have three different levels of research levels, and so there's a, essentially three different types that you can get. You can go back to previous research levels to get some interactions if you didn't get them already, but usually you get more exciting interactions when you get to level two and three research levels. You also have islands having a day and a night cycle, so that adds even more variety with your experiences. With the photos that you get, after you get them rated, you can save whichever ones you want to your album or to your Nintendo Switch, and you can also edit them. It works out really well where even if the picture you took was bad, you can still edit the photo by moving it around the area, so it's not limited to the bounds of your picture frame. It's more like it's almost a gallery where you have your figurines and you can move the camera around to get the most accurate picture. So you don't have to worry about getting the perfect picture right away, but then you can adjust it afterwards. You can't get a new rating from that, but you can use that to make new photos, edit them, and submit them online, where you can get sweet medals from other people based on how much they like your photos. You can do a variety of edits, and by also completing missions that you have, you can get new stickers that you can put on your photos to make them even more spectacular and get people to like you and your photos. So that almost summarizes the entire gameplay mechanic of the game. I will have to say that I enjoyed the game. The first session, I was not really feeling into it, but I think that once I got more things unlocked, like I had more than just fluff fruit, I was able to try out different things and get more into the game and see all the different interactions I can get with Pokemon. This game seems very faithful to the concepts of the original games where you have these various interactions that you can have with Pokemon, and, but also filled with a variety of secrets. It might be a little bit more linear, where in Pokemon Snap, the original game, you had to find these different natural wonders that you had to take pictures of in each course, while here you kind of go more on rails and you just have to make sure you take the pictures of the right things to progress. But I think this game really shines in just that there are seven new generations of Pokemon to be added. First game, you only had Gen 1, and that only had about 60 or 70 Pokemon from that generation. But with this, you have, I believe, reports are talking about 200. I still haven't finished everything in the photo decks, but I believe it's about 200. And so you have these variety of Pokemon from all different generations, which I think is really cool. If you've never played a Pokemon game outside of Gen 1, I think you'll enjoy this, where it's not really something you have to worry about, like, oh, I have to figure out all these new different types of Pokemon. You just have to take pictures of them, and that lets you experience all these new different types of Pokemon. Because no matter what people who only like Gen 1 might say, a lot of the next generations have really nice designs, just because you're allowed to have more complex designs because of more powerful hardware. Like Gen 1 and Gen 2, you had to have more simple designs, because the Game Boy could only handle so much. But with Gen 3 onwards, you could have a lot more variety in designs. So I think that's very exciting for new people, but for me, I know all these Pokemon already. There weren't really as many Gen 8 Pokemon as I would have liked, but I'm assuming 
Pokemon Snap started development while Pokemon 8 was in development as well. So there's only so much you could add from those games that they were still in development for. Favorite areas, I think, for me were the beach and water areas. I just like the beach. It's a very nice and cool and refreshing place. Things are beautiful. The ocean can be beautiful. The coral reefs can be beautiful. I also like the ruins area and the cave area. They had a, some of my favorite Pokemon there, with Gengar being in the caves area and Sigilyph being in the ruins area. So it just had a lot of variety that I enjoyed seeing there. There's a whole bunch of interactions in this game that you can get with Pokemon interacting with each other or doing its various funny things that they're still finding more things. Like even big websites such as Serebii are still finding new interactions that they didn't find before as they play through the game. So I think that's really cool to have. Some of my favorite parts were there's a meme now where there's a Wurmple just laying on his back, just laying there, looks like he's contemplating life. But in the game, the Wurmple is rolling around on the ground, so I really like that. And I also liked when I had a Sigilyph that was near the ground, and I threw an apple at it, and he tried to pick up the apple to either inspect it or eat it, but it couldn't pick it up with its little with its little tongs on the bottom of its foot, so it just kind of tried to pick it up, and it just rolled off, and that was sad for Sigilyph. But, you know, that's just, life is tough for, for some flying, bizarre-looking Pokemon. That's okay. We still love Sigilyph. I even got a few sweet medals from some photos I uploaded. I uploaded one photo called Monster Hunter, where I had the Lycanroc facing off against Tyranitar, where it looked like a scene from Monster Hunter, especially Monster Hunter Rise, where you have your your dog animal friend facing off against a giant dragon of some sort. I thought that was cool. And I also got over 200 medals from having Pidgeot uh, looking at you, like, gave Pidgeot some blushing cheeks and everything. It's like, just make Pidgeot look cute, and people seem to like that. Trying to figure out new ways to get new medals, but this is just something easy to do, where it seems that even if you submit something, you'll probably get a few medals towards it, as long as it has some sort of effort put into it. So that's exciting to just be able to share your creation with, with people. There's always something new to try out whenever you run through a course, so there will be plenty of things for you to do even after you go through a course once. I hope that there will be DLC for this game. It seems like this will be a great time for, great game for DLC, especially since there's so many more Pokemon you can add. My hope is that there might be an area where they add a bunch of Ultra Beast wormholes, where you go to these various lands of these various Ultra Beasts, the somewhat legendary Pokemon from Generation 7, the bizarre Pokemon from different worlds. I think it'll be cool to travel through these different wormholes, going through these different dimensions to see these different unique Pokemon. So that would be cool, but I'm fine with if they do any DLC for this game. Really hoping for that. So for recommendations, I can recommend this game to you if you're a fan of the original title. I, as I mentioned before, it is faithful to the gameplay mechanics from that. I'm sure a lot of people that enjoyed the previous game will enjoy this game. There's probably less violence. You don't really have pester balls anymore to chuck at Pokemon, but the apples will probably suit your needs just fine. You also have, I think this game will be really good for completionists. There's just so many Pokemon to take a photo of, and even more than that, there's so many. You have to get one through four stars, and there's so many interactions. So I think there's a variety of things that you can continue to get 
playing through things over and over. And if you're any Pokemon fan, I think this is also great to see all the Pokemon interacting, especially now in HD, where before you just had blocky Pokemon in made of, of a few poor... I almost said Porygons. Polygons is having all those Pokemon interact and having everything look beautiful. It looks a lot more beautiful than Pokemon Sword and Shield, but that's just to be expected with these scripted courses that you're going on. For people I can't recommend this to, I can't re recommend it for people who are looking for action or looking for a super long adventure. This game is relatively short. I saw the credits after eight or nine hours of gameplay, so there's not too much to have to worry about, and this game isn't going to have action for you. Like you're, you're just a child in a in a protected uh, safari vehicle. You're not going to get hurt at all. It might look like you get hurt. Sometimes the Pokemon might look like they're attacking you, but you'll never get hurt at all. So there's limited action in this game. So if you're looking for something with more high stakes, you won't find it here. And I also don't know if I can recommend this game right now for people who just played through a game once and don't touch it afterwards, since there is only about 8 to 10 hours before you reach the credits. So it might be better to wait for a sale and then get it, then play it through then. But if you can play on courses after you completed the game, then I feel like this game has value for you. So that's all we had for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Looking forward to all these games that are coming out. Looking forward with playing more Pokemon Snap and especially getting started on the Famicom Detective Club games. But if you have anything you like me to cover or talk about or anything you want to berate me about, email me at gameguidepodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week to do it all over again. But I hope you're able to have a great week. Remember to be kind to one another. And we'll see you next time. Bye.